Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from George Mason University School of Business. This is your host, Herb Cohen. With my co-host, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, Julie Matt, Cressa, David Kunzman, Pretoria Law, A.J. Gunther Connolly, Works Les Small and Vistage, and John Yetman, Association for Enterprise Growth. Uh, Les, can you give us a rundown on who we have on the air with us today, please? And Margarita Delone, Chairman of the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, Xiao Chen Zhang, President, FinTech for Good, Lisa Greenwald, Incoming President at Greenwald & Associates, and Tom Magnani, CFO at Counterpart International. Excellent. Let's get to know our first guest, Margarita Delone, Chairman, the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Margarita, what is the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce? What are you guys doing? It is a regional chamber of commerce serv- serving the Hispanic population primarily, but we work with everyone. Mm-hmm. How large or how small is the membership at this chamber? We currently have over 700 members. And uh, tell me, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I'm the second of six. You're the second of six. All right. And uh, tell us about, my, my bet is that whoever is at the head of the chamber is pretty good at connecting people. Give us an idea of 8 to 14 years old. How are you helping people connect to each other, 8 to 14? Uh, I was working in my parents' uh, grocery and wholesale business and also even doing some uh, tenant uh, empowerment. What are you talking about, tenant empowerment? What do you mean? I was helping um, Father Sean at Mali at the Spanish Catholic Center with uh, tenant rights and building up a, a coalition of tenants at a specific building. Uh, whose idea was it? You earlier you mentioned that you were go- you were knocking door to door to try to help people understand what was really going on. Whose idea was it for you to go knock door to door when you were 13 years old? Well, I volunteered for that part. So nobody specifically asked you. You just sort of had the guts and the courage to go do that. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. AJ, what's, what kind of question you got there? Yeah, you mentioned you're uh, one of six children. What was your role there with your, with your siblings? Well, um, with my younger, my older siblings, my sister um, and the younger sister, I was just in between and we were always competing for slots. But with my younger brothers, I s- ended up serving as their mom. So as sort of a second mother? Yes. And how does that translate into what you're doing today? Um, at the chamber, the um, CEO, w- CEO and President Nicole Keruga would be the primary mother, and I would be the secondary, helping to connect people. Do you, do you really see a, a parallel between the role you played with your brothers and the role you're playing at the Chamber of Commerce? Absolutely. It's w- service. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, when I'm doing a networking event with the Chamber, one of the things that I end up doing is connecting people, kind of like fitting puddle, puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. Julie, what, what are you thinking? What are you most grateful for? Uh, lessons in humility. What do, you, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Because at the store and even my business and even at the chamber, sometimes we deal with people that have absolutely no education, just came over on the boat, so to speak, to people who have PhDs, work at embassies, and you really don't have to learn how to speak to each person according to their needs. David? At your parents' grocery, uh, is it where you first started to get comfortable and also being able to read people from all walks of life? Absolutely. Um, I dealt with people, like I said, that had just come over, village people, no education, and we had all kinds of embassy staff that would come. We were their sole, sole source for the foods that they needed from back home. And how does that you know, f- uh, help you today? It helps me today because I can understand people much easier and I can work with them and I don't feel as I as if I'm talking over them, um, but I'm talking, you know, no, no, wait, 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 wait. You, you mentioned, wait, let, me, let me get this straight. How, how young were you when you started making money? You said you were like four years old working in your parents' what? What was that? Grocery store. And you mentioned that it was one of the few Hispanic businesses in, that, in the area. Yes. Uh huh. And how old? How old? You were four years old working in there. Yes. What were you doing? I w- my dad would. Uh, he ended up putting a box so that I could stand at the cash register and be able to make change for people. And what did you learn from that experience? Um, 
first of all, I, I watched my father in being able to talk to people that sometimes people would ask, does she know what she's doing? And he'd say, I taught her, yes, she knows exactly what she's doing and we can uh, double check it for you. And he put so people at ease. So your father put people at ease and he also had confidence in you. And what, did, what else did you learn from, uh, from dealing with a wide variety of people coming in to buy stuff from the grocery store? That everyone has different different needs, uh, but essentially they still boil down to the same thing, food for their table, um, connection with the community, etc. Uh, how's that help you run the Chamber of Commerce? Because, again, people need to put food on their table, and one of the ways to do that is to be successful at business. So we help them learn and navigate how to, how to succeed at business. Mm-hmm. And you think you're f- you, you feel that your father's confidence in you and also... The fact that you were dealing with a wide variety of people as a kid, four years old, in this grocery store really helped shape you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Les? Yeah, you had also mentioned earlier that, um, you know, in, in terms of what you took from dad and mom, um, there were certain things that had a huge impact on you. I wonder if you can actually give us a sense of what you got from dad and what you get from mom that you use today. Well, with my mom, I got persistence. Um, she, no matter what happened, she'd always, you know, dust yourself off and keep on going and didn't give up. With my dad, the community connections, making relationships with people. Sometimes people would come in and they didn't have money for food and he'd help them out. And that had dividends later on because for the 68 riots, we were advised by members of the community that it was going to happen and to protect ourselves, but that they would watch out for us. So you saw that that kind of connection actually saved your father and mother's business? It saved our lives. We, were, we lived above the store. So if uh, our business had been ransacked and burned, we would have been toast. So how do you think that shows up for you today now? Um, it shows up because I know that you know every single person in the community is important. Every single person deserves to be at the table. Wow. John, what are you thinking? You've lived an amazing life. So if your current wise self could meet your inexperienced younger self, what advice would you offer? I would say that um, know that every single, you know, misstep, uh, fall that you've taken will serve to help others in the future and that it will build confidence. Hmm. Julie, what else are you thinking? What other thoughts you got? Who is your biggest inspiration? I would say Mother Teresa. Why? Why? Because... In spite of everything, she was able to get down to a level um, of what reality was. Um, I remember reading one story where she was handed out water at a meeting, bottled water, and she ended up adding up how much that bottled water cost and how much that could help XYZ in her community. Mm-hmm. So it's about looking even at the small things and realizing that we should not waste things it's and we should not waste opportunities. The resourcefulness. David, what else are you thinking? Um, any other mentors that you had growing up outside your family? Oh, Father Sean O'Malley. And how did he affect you? What did he do to you? Because the same, the same thing, the humbleness. I remember um, him wearing the sandals, and I remember the way he was helping in that building and getting people together even though the building was falling apart. He just made, really brought it down to earth. Hmm. But I thought this Chamber of Commerce stuff, this is fancy-dancy stuff where you wear nice suits and you have fancy-dancy cocktail parties and cocktails and stuff like that. I'm trying to figure out, you know, where the street has anything to do with the Chamber of Commerce. Because I'm one of the, on the on the board of directors, I'm one of the smallest businesses represented. And I'm trying to bring to the fore that even the small businesses deserve to be seen, heard, and at the table. Uh-huh. So your role, what, what's, your, what's the role of the chairperson of the Chamber of Commerce? Is it to yell at everybody and tell them what to do or to come up with ideas? Or what, what do you do there? Oh, absolutely not. It's to inspire um, new programs. It's to inspire people to connect and to um, bring in everyone at the table. It's also to work with even our elected officials to make sure that the Spanish community, the Hispanic community is listened to and that we're part of the economic engine driving our area. Huh, interesting. Les, what are you thinking? Yeah, I just want to go back to your, uh, uh, your metaphor about you know, bringing people to the table. What was the dinner table like? for you growing up with all your kids and your parents? What was the conversation? 
Uh, it was a little bit of everything. Um, I've even written a short story about the enamel table in the kitchen. Uh, we were around that table all the time. I mean, we did all kinds of things there, and we'd talk about what was going on at the store, what was going on with plans, etc. So what does it represent for you today? It, it represents the you know, the confluence of voices, the fact that every single person needs to be heard, even the baby. Mm-hmm. So you really, you know, it sounds to me like, the, I, I don't know, I just envisioned the conference table, the Chamber of Commerce, something along the same lines as the dinner table at home. Is that true? Uh, absolutely, I would say so. What do you mean? Well, we have um, our board of directors right now, I would c- call it, and excuse the expression, a kick-ass board. Mm-hmm. Um, it's extraordinary. We have huge companies, and we have me, who's a little tiny person here, mm-hmm. and now I'm directing it. So mm-hmm. everybody's voice has value, At and I have ideas, etc. Mm-hmm. What's the website address of the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce? Uh, GWHCC.org. Let me have that one more time. GWHCC.org. We've been speaking with Margarita Delone, who's the chairman of the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name and organization is? Brian Lawrence, TGD Creative Strategies and Solutions. And what what makes you guys special? We're a family-owned design firm, have mostly web designers and graphic artists. Mm -hmm. And what role do you play in the organization? I'm the marketing uh, director. I work with marketing the firm as well as... And how young were you, 8 to 14, when that began showing up, that personality trait that you're bringing to the party as the marketing director? Mm. I had a family that was in the business, so understood it from a creative director in London to um, New York uh, agencies and um, Mm -hmm. publications. What do you you enjoy about your job? Uh, Working with... um, the designers and the creative it's a lot of fun i work close with them uh how about the clients you working directly with the clients as well yes uh working with a lot of leaders of associations and nonprofits in the area and why why what do you enjoy about that um it's the the whole thing of working at an ad agency or creative design firm is is getting to know all the different types of industries and categories and getting a and understanding what's going on with them now. So you really enjoy learning about a wide variety of businesses, and I guess you have to if you're going to help them with their marketing and their advertising. You sort of got to understand what their businesses are all about. But you're like the the perfect student. It sounds like. Yes, and I've always been that person that connects the client with the agency and interprets their needs. What do you mean by that? Um, started out as an account guy and, mm-hmm. uh, and really had to go from, you know, understanding what the needs were and doing a good mm-hmm. needs analysis mm-hmm. with clients and then bringing it back to the firm. Cool. What's the website address of this organization? TGDcom.com. Let me have that one more time. TGDcom.com. And your name again is? Brian Lawrence. And your role there? Marketing Director. And this is Herb Cohen, and this has been your Business Spotlight. And your name and organization is? Rich Sullivan, Director of Business Development, ITility. And what, what is ITility, Rich? ITility is a government contractor. Uh, How provi- large was it when you got involved with the organization versus what size is it now? I came to work there in 2011. We had approximately four corporate employees, 12 across the board. How many you got now? Uh, a little over 250. And what's your role in the organization? So I lead all corporate sales and marketing capabilities. So you've had a pretty significant influence on building this team, haven't you? I wouldn't say that. That's the Yeah, I think so. It's the team. How? Tell me about sports. Did you play sports as a kid? Yeah, I played quite a few sports What as kind a kid. of sports did you play? Uh, football, basketball, swimming, uh-huh. rowing. What was the role? What was, your, what was the common thread of the role you played on those teams? Uh, I'd say common thread was just being the hardest working guy out there on the field. Mm-hmm. What was your, what, but on the other hand, you also had, they appointed you to certain roles. What kind of roles did they appoint you uh, to? Sure, I guess I function as a captain on most of those teams. Why do you think they wanted you to be the captain? Lead by example. So I understand that you have to lead by example and you're like really hard working in sports. I'm trying to figure out that what's, the, what's that have to do with utility and being the director of business development? It's a very competitive marketplace that we're in here in the federal you know, area in terms of uh, government contracting. 
Uh, we're finding these days that the amount of bids that go in for every single proposal that we chase has uh, gone on exponentially over the course of the last seven years. So on one hand, it's your own drive and ambition, but really it's a team sport you're playing. It's, it's just like what you were doing as a kid. Absolutely, and the team has to be the best. We're only as strong as the weakest link. You're only as strong as... So you're really... One of your specialties is figuring out where people fit, isn't it? Uh, you know, I guess I'd do my best to try uh-huh. to figure that out. What's the what's your uh, website address? It's itility.com. All right, let me have that one more time. I-T-I-L-I-T-Y.com. And your name again and your title in the company? Richard Sullivan, Director of Business Development. At Itility, and this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen, and we'd like to introduce Zhaochen Zhang, who is the president of FinTech for Good. What is FinTech for Good? What are you guys doing? Yeah, FinTech for Good is a global network that's uh, through our incubation, acceleration, and uh, investment program. We identify the best uh, FinTech blockchain company and uh, bring them to different countries where are the needs. Uh-huh. Where are you from originally? Uh, I'm a Chinese born in Beijing. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, I'm the youngest uh, of four. The youngest of four. And what countries have you studied in? I studied in China, Poland, Austria. Germany, UK, and uh, US. Uh-huh. And now you've started a business here. So you're the youngest of four originally from Beijing. Do you come from a wealthy family? Uh, not at all. And uh, I'm from a very humble background. And uh, uh, we really just are fighting for everyday food on the table. What kind of dollars do you have to invest in technology-related businesses that qualify? Uh, now we are l- our next uh, acceleration program. Just looking at uh, deals, uh, which uh, we put uh, one hundred thousand dollars to back. Uh, the but how many? What's the total number of dollars you have behind you at this point? Uh, we have two funds. One is a crypto fund of fifty million, and the other is an equity fund of twenty million. So you got seventy million dollars at your disposal, and you come from rather humble beginnings. What's the upside? Of, what's the benefit of your traveling? and living in all those different environments and studying in all those different environments and coming from rather humble beginnings. How's that having a positive effect on your business career? I think the first one is the exposure and I see the world. And so then every, everything that I see just you know, add up to meet, uh, make me know that the world is really colorful and different. The second part is that I see also there are a lot of needs and uh, a lot of uh, people need to be enabled as I mean need to be you know, supported, which actually gave me the big drive to, to just uh, you know, do what I'm doing now. What gave you the big drive? Seeing, uh, you know, a family, you know, uh, fighting for daily survival and uh, looking at uh, SMEs in different countries uh, exposed to uh, uh, environments where that they don't have enough resources and also see the technologies and knowledge which can empower them but are not ma- uh, matched so with you're them. So you're not afraid to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, are you? That's right, and uh, the interesting part that's, you know, just uh, I travel so much and uh, people would say, how do you deal with the jet lag? As if you don't sleep, there's no jet lag. Uh-huh. Uh, AJ, what are you thinking? Yeah, so who was uh, your, your biggest influence growing up? Uh, my mom is my biggest uh, inspiration, and uh, she is the young, uh, oldest of her family, and uh, my granddad passed away early and uh, then my grandma uh, you know is a, a bounty feet uh, a little lady who cannot work so then uh, give, give us that again your grandmother was what her feet is like bounded so then uh-huh. she cannot really just work uh-huh. and so my mom had to take care of uh, the whole family you know bring education uh, pay for the education for my or my aunt, uncle, and uh, educate them, and also she also has a four of us. So she work, you know, from a housewife to become a self-made entrepreneur, working really hard every day. What What was she doing? Uh, she uh, raised cow, and uh, you know, starting from uh, bagging, go, you know, knocking door at the banks, uh, declined, go to you know the mayors and uh, knock the door and ask for you know there's no collateral or anything. She finally got money, bought three cow, then raised this from three cow to like thirty uh, some cows, and uh, every day got up at four and start from you milking the cow yeah, and then you have delivering. A human, you have a tremendous amount of respect for your mom, don't you? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, what what was your question earlier? Your family Come up closer to that microphone. 
your family background reminds me a bit of my grandparents and, and my father's story, but I'm curious about fintech because really isn't that about making financial services more accessible to people? And how did your background yeah. drive that? Yeah, and uh, that's two parts. The first one is, you know, I see my mom or other small startups uh, who have uh, difficulty to access to finance. So then how to use uh, technology to enable them to access to finance, that's a big drive. The second part is that, you know, when I work for World Bank and uh, my main role there was to identify the new in financial instruments to just uh, use that to enable SMEs uh, to just, uh, you know, Julie? Uh, do their Julie, what do you think? better. Um, as, a, as a child, you, it sounds like you were an early adopter to technology and uh, it's, it's clear that you like to help people to accomplish things. And so now you're a global leader in blockchain. How do you think blockchain will help people? Yeah, just to give one example. And uh, you know, now we have uh, 1.5 billion people around the world who cannot participate effectively in the, any business or economy and with blockchain based digital identity then they will have a digital identity which enable them to be seen as a, a business person have a track record then they can access to basic service david your mother um was your principal inspiration you indicated and she took care of an entire extended family um is that something you're doing today with your family I do as much I can, but definitely not as much as my mom did. Okay. But uh, you know, uh, I save from my first uh, scholarship. Uh, every you know, from my first uh, income, I always just uh, gave a portion to my family till now. Mm -hmm. Lester, yeah, I mean, who saw in you something that when you were a young kid said, "I'm going to offer a scholarship to this this person, so you can go get educated in the manner in which you did." Who saw? What did they see in you and who was that? Was it your mom or someone else? Uh, I, I got first a national prize when I was uh, in uh, 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 primary school and I was very good at school. And uh, so then... Uh, so you excelled academically? Yes, academically. And also I started my first uh, teaching job when I was uh, 11 or 12 as a, a home tutor. And uh, then uh, I... The first time that uh, you know, uh, uh, middle school students uh, just uh, got a, a tutor job and then got paid from that uh, in my community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know about hard work. You also have confidence. When you, when you won that national award, how young were you, and what was that for? Yeah, that was a national prize for writing, and uh, you know, I I wrote something, some story, and which was uh, national uh, nationwide. And how recognized. young were you? And was uh, eleven. And, and this was in China. Yes. Yeah. So this was a pretty difficult competition. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's uh, and you very, won it. Yeah. I got it. Okay, they, uh, John. What are you thinking? Wow, you've done more than most people can do in three lifetimes. What are you most proud of? I think I'm the most proud of uh, time is now that, uh, you know, using uh, the most advanced technology, FinTech and blockchain, and then to enable uh, startups uh, to just uh, go to the next level, then through them, that then they can help many beneficiaries uh, marginalize the group and also for our environment. So with uh, what I can do, then I can enable them, then they can just really just uh, do good to, for the whole world. So you really see the world of angel investing, venture capital, private equity as an opportunity of, it's like ripples in a pond. You're really looking to help the next level help the next level and so on and so forth. You're stirring the pot with this whole thing, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely, because, uh, you know, uh, from the uh, uh, study by uh, World Bank that, you know, more than 80% uh, of the SME in the survey always just in the whole world have challenge to access finance, uh, have challenge to receive enough resources. Well, what's the website address of your organization? Uh, our website is uh, uh, FinTech for Good, uh, for instance, uh, number four. FintechforGood.co, not C-O-M. Let me have that one more time. FintechforGood.co. And that's F-I-N-T-E-C-H, the number four, good. F-I-N-T-E-C-H, the number four, good, dot C-O. Yes. And we've been speaking with Zhaoqin Zhang, who's the president of Fintech for Good here on Executive Leaders Radio. And your name and organization is? My name is Jenny Chang, and I'm with Easter Seals, uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. And why are you doing what you're doing? What turns you on about your gig? 
Uh, I've always been very passionate about uh, mission-driven organizations. Why? Give us an example of how that developed or how young were you when that d- developed? It actually developed when I was, uh, my first career when I was a journalist and I worked overseas and wrote a ton of stories about the human condition and eventually wanted to transfer transfer over my skills to something that was a little bit more mission-driven. But this was stuff that happened overseas. What's that have to do with what's happening here? The human spirit doesn't have any borders. Uh-huh. Where, where, where were you at overseas? What were you covering overseas? Uh, I was mainly in the Asia-Pacific region and covered, um, you know, civil wars that was happening in Sri Lanka and um, political issues happening in Singapore and Hong Kong, etc. And you saw stuff that affected you personally and you wanted to be involved with a mission-driven organization? Absolutely. Uh-huh. How's your current organization known as Easter Seals have anything to do with the human condition? Well, the um, organization focuses on providing services to the disability community um, or individuals living with disabilities. And so we provide a variety of services that help them not only live but thrive. What are you talking about? Um, We, uh, for a long time, the disability community has actually been um, ignored, and so a lot of opportunities to them have been closed off. Over the last 28 years, I would say um, it's opened up since the ADA, and mm-hmm. since then, um, and you're playing a pretty significant role in that, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. That really turns you on. Well, what's the website address of your organization? Eseal.org. Let me have that one more time. Eseal.org. And and what's your name and what's your title in that organization again? Jenny Chang, Communications Manager of Easter Seals, DC, Maryland, and Virginia. And this yes. has been your business spotlight. And your name is. Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh- what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure, I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings, and such. So you're you're well, you're running a twenty-four by seven facility, aren't you? We are. Uh huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohn. We'd like to introduce Lisa Greenwald, who's the incoming president of Greenwald and Associates. Lisa, what is Greenwald and Associates? What are you folks doing? We are a boutique, full-service market research firm, and we specialize in financial services, employee benefits, and healthcare research. Uh-huh. How large or how small is this team? We have a 30-member team. Uh-huh. And who started this business? My father, back All in right. 1985. And how many brothers and sisters do you have? I'm the only one. What makes an only child special? I think you learn to entertain yourself. I think you become mm-hmm. adept at adult conversation and appreciating adult conversation earlier on. Mm-hmm. Lester? Uh, yeah, so let's carry that forward a little bit. Uh, when you were younger, you were what? A theater uh Involved in the theater as well as sports like volleyball and softball? Yeah. What was your role there? I did both. Um, I think the pinnacle of my theatrical career was when I was 10 years old. I was Annie in our school musical. And why is Annie important? Um, it was a lot of pressure for a 10-year-old, um, and I, I thrived in it. Yeah, what, was, uh, your, what, what is it about Annie that actually you actually take away today that explains what you do well? 
I think I'm outgoing. I think I'm not shy. And in my industry, which is data-driven and introverted-driven. You say something about being a babysitter? I did. I um, After Annie came up with a flyer, my neighbor and I were live wire babysitters, and everyone wanted Annie to be their babysitter. Yeah, so what's your role in the company today, and how does that apply? Uh, my role is varied, um, but I do a good deal of marketing and business development, and I think being outgoing has helped me with the marketing and business development piece of my job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. David? Your father started the company in 1985. Tell us of the impact that had on you. Um, it's intimidating. It's also inspirational. Um, it takes a lot of guts to start a business when you've moved to a new city and have a four-year-old little girl. It's something I've always admired. And what did your mother do? Um, my mom had a variety of temp jobs. She also ran a craft store on Connecticut Avenue. She ran a craft store on Connecticut. Did you ever work in that store? I didn't. Um, I would go up to the store from time to time uh-huh. uh, after school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I helped package some things up and pull things out of the back room, but it wasn't really a job so for me. So what do you think the effect of having you know, both parents running their own business has been on you? Um, I think it showed me that taking chances could be worthwhile. Uh-huh. And I think it showed me the value of um, doing something you love. Uh-huh. Julie? How young were you when you started working in your dad's company? So I was probably somewhere in the eight to 10 range, stuffing envelopes for mail surveys um, in exchange for pizza. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. So you were stuffing envelopes, stuffing envelopes in your dad's business? Yes, we did mail surveys. So somebody had to stuff all of those envelopes. Uh-huh. How'd you feel about um, getting stuck doing that work and your friends are outside playing and you're having to work in dad's business? I didn't mind it, even then. I mean, I did some cartwheels in the hallway from time to time, but mm-hmm. it yeah. made me feel part of something important. So you felt good about doing the work. Absolutely. Does that... Does that come through today i mean is you had the same kind of feeling today about you know it feels good to get stuff done it feels good to work as part of the team absolutely i'm goal driven and timeline driven and um the best thing i can do i think as a leader is work as a team huh. now you mentioned at one point you didn't know necessarily that you were going to continue in the business even though you'd been exposed to it what, what shifted what switched um certainly Working in the business was not planned. I started entry level and didn't really like it all that much until I got one project, a research project with the end goal of public relations. And that connected my initial desire to be in advertising and PR with the research world. And it all just clicked from there. What do you mean? I was able to take what was my more useful ambition and find a way for it to work. and in a way that supported my father's already successful business. Mm-hmm. AJ? Yeah, your father's obviously an influence in your, your career. Has there been any other role models, either when you were growing up or, or now, um, that kind of helped you along? I think one in particular was a woman who I called Aunt Barbara. She wasn't really my aunt, but she gave me my first internship in a PR department. She ran the PR department for a large trade association. And I think seeing... Um, such a successful woman in that field was really inspirational. And I, I learned a lot from her and from what, hearing her stories. Do you still keep in touch today? Is she still part of the, the career building process? Here? She was part of my life for a very long time, but she passed away a few years ago. Uh, do you think she'd be surprised if uh, Barbara knew what you were doing nowadays? I don't think she'd be surprised. We'd talk about it. Um, as I got a little bit older, um, and she was a resource for me and, and continued to answer questions as I hit challenges. And Wait so what, I, what I think she was proud. What kind of business was she in? Um, she was the head of PR for a large trade association here right. in D.C. So she she understood what your dad was doing for a living, or she knew enough about it? Oh, no, there was a huge overlap in, in the research and in the subject matter. She, it was an insurance trade association, and Greenwald so focuses helped, uh, financial. So she helped you understand and appreciate the role you could play in your father's business ultimately? I think so, yes. Uh-huh. Interesting. John? So your father is... Passing the baton to you, are you going to do things exactly the same way? Not exactly the same. There is a lot of great 
uniqueness to build upon there. Um, but I think for me, the challenge is focusing on the business now instead of in it, as cliche as that may be. Um, and what really do you mean trying by that? What are you talking about? What do you mean by that? Focusing on versus in. So I think transitioning from doing project work to being a manager and a leader um, is actually a very different role, uh, one that's taken me some time to learn and grow into. Um, and so what I'm trying to build now is a long-term strategic plan for the company that takes us into our next 30 years. Mm. John, what else are you thinking? So if you were to look back, you know, all of this wisdom and working in, your, in the business and you were to look now back and be able to give your younger self advice, what sort of advice would that be? I think it's the advice I still try to give myself, which is stay calm and be patient. Mm -hmm. um, everything will, will happen in its time and you learn by doing. Mm -hmm. So when things don't go right, how do you handle that? Um, there's a healthy amount of venting in our workplace. I think it's critical for building a team. Mm -hmm. um, but we vent and then we look for solutions and we there move we on. And uh, that's Les? what I try to focus on. Lester? Yeah, I want to go back to volleyball. Um, y y you weren't necessarily the best athlete you had indicated. And you weren't necessarily you know, the leader on the team. But eventually you did become captain. What is it they saw in you? And how does that affect what you do today or how you do what you do today? Well, the word persistence came up earlier. I was there. I was a team member. I showed up. I did my best. I cheered on my teammates. And I think it engendered their trust that towards the end of high school, I was their natural captain. So what's that got to do with how you run the business today or as you envision running it today? My role is to be a cheerleader for the very smart and talented people that we have. Mm -hmm. AJ? You mentioned you were an only child and, you know, it helped uh, develop communications with adults. But any, you know, younger family members or anything in the, the area that you used to hang out with and sort of what was the, the influence there on, on where you are today? I grew up pretty close to my cousins. Um, one is a woman, Emily, who's only eight months younger than me. So we were fairly close. Um, and her younger brother, Ben. And, you know, my earliest memory of, with them is we would put on shows. We would create plays and performances and make our parents sit there and watch like it was theater. Sure. And what was your particular role with, uh, with your cousins in, in those plays? I think I was usually uh, directing. Uh -huh. So we have a thing here where you were the captain of the sports team. You were helping direct at a young age your cousins doing these plays. You're like a take charge kind of lady am i picking up the right energy there am i seeing that for what it is i think so mm -hmm. i mean i tried to do it mm -hmm. humbly and i tried to do it in a relatable way but yes i enjoy that role uh-huh you enjoy what role um i enjoy the role of overseeing and directing and multitasking uh-huh um, so how and, and at work if somebody's not doing their job you just you fire them you know they're just an employee right absolutely not what do you mean what are you talking about um, we have a really long tenure at Greenwald and Associates and our folks have been there with us some long enough to remember me doing those cartwheels in the hallway and we work with people. We try to hire the best and we work with them to grow and develop them. You have people that have been there 20 and 30 years? Indeed. Uh-huh. And uh, so people, what's the benefit to your clients of having uh, a team that's been there that long? Consistency, um, probably one of the most important things I in our business. Mm -hmm. um, consistency in the work product and consistency with the um, relationships that we have with our clients. Mm -hmm. What's the website address of this organization known it as is Greenwald? Yep. Greenwaldresearch.com. Let me have that one more time. Greenwaldresearch.com. We've been speaking with Lisa Greenwald, the incoming president of Greenwald and Associates here on Executive Leaders Radio with my co-host Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, Julie Matt, Cressa, David Kunzman, Pretoria Law, A.J. Gunther, Connolly, Works, Les Small Investors, and John Yemen, Association for Enterprise Growth. Uh, this is Herb Cohen. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, and we will be back in a moment right after this break. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. Uh, and what is the Boston 
Business Improvement District. We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, they, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows? the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, your thought is in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that uh, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events through art uh, through a happy hour mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to come out of that mm -hmm. that's what's exciting so it's all about the people and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization is this a nine-to-five kind of job oh, for you? hell no it's a lot longer uh -huh. than that baby so do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that sure sure let me have the website address of this sure, organization balsambid.com and, and you can download balsam connect mobile app let me have uh, let me have that website address one more balsambid.com it's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh-huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage and lights are there, your registration process works. And, and what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science industry? Strictly in the life science industry. Why, why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, we found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customer. So we don't believe in numbers. It's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them. And are you doing this nationally or regionally? We do it nationally. We continue to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, the company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. And mm -hmm. next time I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Ah, so you've been, building, you've been building this ever since. What do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm -hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtechconference.org. And the name of the organization again is? A Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow Assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, 
We may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohn. We'd like to introduce Tom Mignani, CFO of Counterpart International. Tom, what is Counterpart International? What are you guys doing? Uh, Counterpart is an NGO that works in uh, various parts of the world that uh, have less than we do, and we build capacity, and we have about 700 employees. Wow, about 700 employees, and, and what was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? What were you up to? Well, I was attending Catholic school, which uh, took up most of my time, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. tried to get involved uh, with my father's stock picking. All right, Julie, what are you, uh, what are you thinking there? It takes a lot of unspectacular preparation to achieve spectacular results. What kind of preparation did you do as a child to achieve what you've done today? Well, I think I learned at an early age, uh, thanks to my Catholic school nuns, to be prepared and to look forward to what was expected the rest of the day or the week or the month. Yeah. What, do you, what do you mean by that? It's being proactive. I've always preached being proactive at work. Um, it's always easier to do things when you're uh, how avoiding did you, issues. How do you have to prepare a Catholic school? Give us an example. What are you talking about? Well, you know, in Catholic school, you have mass day, and you have to have a jacket if you're a boy, and you have to have a hat if you're a girl. And if you don't have those things, uh, you're in trouble. So you learn to think ahead and make sure that you're keeping track well, of what you have to do. Are you telling me that what happened to you as a kid in Catholic school, having to make sure you had a jacket, really is having an impact on you running a 700-person business? Yes, because the fact of the matter is, is to be, to be forward-looking is something that is, a, a, is always helpful in anything to do, especially in business. And, and so what does a 12- or 13-year-old have to do with a stock market and his dad? Well, my dad was uh, involved in stocks, and I would keep all his charts uh, and all the daily data every day from the newspapers on about 25, 30 stocks. Uh, not common for a 12, 13-year-old to be doing that, is it? No. What did you learn from it? I learned that uh, I really loved the idea of business and what they did and wanted to be a part of it when I grew up. So how does that affect what you do now or how you do what you do now? Well, I always thought accounting was the guts of a business. And if you understood accounting, you could understand any business. And uh, I think that I found that to be true. Did you make any money? I did eventually. I lost money on my first day, which got a tear in my eye. But uh, eventually I did make money on the stock market. David, what did you take from your mother that helps you in uh, your, your everyday work world? Uh, my mom was a uh, stay-at-home mom, and um, she had a wonderful sense of humor, and I try to bring that to work every day and make sure that people are loose. And how about from your dad that you take to work every day? Uh, definitely work ethic. My dad was a very hard worker, and he taught me the benefits of doing so. AJ? Yeah, you had mentioned in the uh, the green room that uh, you've been able to generate lifelong friendships since the age of you know, 12, 13. Can you kind of talk about that process and then uh, you know how that translates into the business world today? Yes, uh, my best friend is uh, somebody I met when I was 13 years old. We are still best friends, and I think what it uh, taught me is that loyalty is uh, is something that is uh, you can't buy. And when you have lifelong friends, you can develop those at any time of life, even uh, in your 50s or 60s. So it's, there's a benefit to, to being loyal to people and getting to know them and understand them. Is, is that in business? I mean, I hear business, you sue everybody, and it's blood and guts. You're talking about loyalty. That's like, but you know, I mean, you built a 700-person firm. I'm not, you know, you tell me. Uh, I think loyalty is very important. You, you can, when you have loyalty, you have ability to have teams that can uh, achieve anything. Uh, solutions to problems are easier to come up with when you have a good working team. And, and I've had friends from every company I've ever worked at. Mm-hmm. AJ, what else you think? I want to go back to the stock thing because it's kind of interesting to me. How did you, at age 12, uh, have enough money to, to invest in the stock market? Well, I got a job at, uh, at Dairy Queen as a uh, busboy, 
and uh, although it wasn't making much per, per hour, it, you know, eventually it added up, and I took it out of my savings and bought my first stock. Huh, how about that? John, what are you thinking? Tom, is there a seminal moment that you had as a child? I, I think, you know, just the, the fact that um, when I switched out of Catholic school and went into uh, public school, it was a, a kind of a shock to the system. Uh, I think I relaxed a little bit, and uh, it, it kind of made me realize that I need to get back to what I was taught earlier and, and the, the real usefulness of what I was taught earlier, even though I thought it was so, somewhat strict. Uh, it really was a lifelong uh, way of, of living that I think leads to success. Mm -hmm. Lester, what do you think of? Uh, a lot of areas, but I, I want to bring your sister into the conversation here. Um, older sister, what influence did she have on you that shows up for you now? My older sister was very protective, and uh, it taught me the, um, the fact that you look after people who are perhaps younger and more vulnerable than yourself. Wait, I thought you were watching over the numbers. What's this about people? <laughs> well, I, I, I really enjoy people more than numbers, believe it or not. Um, I can't get anything done at work if I don't have good teams. Hmm. You mentioned something happened about the age of 20. What was that? Uh, at the age of 20, I, I just finally hit my stride. I, I started at the University of Maryland. I transferred there as a sophomore. And I think it was just being on my own for the first time that taught me how to stand on my own two feet. And it gave me the confidence that I needed that I've used for the rest of my life. How did you get that confidence? You know, I, I met some good people at school that um, taught me how to, uh, to react to life situations and uh, just just having to be stand on my own two feet and I had great parents but you know sometimes you need to do things on your own so it sounds to me like you know moving away and standing on your own two feet really gave you the confidence that you could stand on your own two feet when you meet people nowadays you know considering that you develop that confidence a little bit later how's that affecting your building this business well what I look for is for people who who want to uh, succeed and and people who are perhaps looked at uh, as not able to, to contribute but have the will and, and ability to contribute they just need someone to bring that out on them I think there's nothing there's no better feeling than getting people to succeed who perhaps were overlooked before. Wow you're like the master mentor it's it sounds to me like you'd probably be a great company to work in what, what's the website address of this organization known as counterpart international it is counterpart.org let me have that one more time please counterpart.org. We've been speaking with Tom Magnani. Uh, did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. All right. CFO of Counterpart International here on Executive Leaders Radio. And I'd like to, uh, Les, could you give us a rundown on who our uh, guests have been today? We had Margarita Delone, chairman of the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. We had Zhao Chen Zhang, president of FinTech for Good. At Lisa Greenwald, uh, the incoming president at Greenwald & Associates, and Tom Magnani, CFO at Counterpart International. I would like to thank my co-hosts, including Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, Julie Matt, Cressa, David Kunzman, Pretori Law, A.J. Gunther, Connolly Works, Liz Smolin, Vistage, and John Yetman, Association for Enterprise Growth, for giving me a hand structuring the questions, hopefully providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. Uh, what is the website address for uh, Potomac Companies? Uh, there we go. PotomacCO.com. Julie Matt, Cressa. What's the website address for Cressa? Cressa.com. And Les Smolin Vistage? Vistage.com. And don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. There are more for our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment next week. Don't forget to join us. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.